Aloha, everybody. Ronnie Landis here, your host of the Holistic Life Mastery Radio Show. And today we have our second interview on our remastered interview series from my 2013 podcast, The Expanded Health and Human Potential Radio Show. And I got to say, listening to these interviews where I haven't listened to them in about, you know, maybe a year and a half to two years is truly profound. I didn't actually realize at that time the kind of diamonds that I was standing on. And it's just really fun to to listen back to some of these interviews and to pick up new insights, new clues as I've evolved and matured in my path as a health educator and as a researcher. It's interesting for me to, to pick up new little nuances and bits of information that maybe at the time I didn't fully understand or I couldn't fully comprehend, and now it's coming back. And what's even cooler about an interview like this, the one that you're about to be exposed to, is that so much of the information that our guest is sharing is is such a big part and a foundation of what I focus on in my own message, in my own educational um vehicles and the way that I share this information with other people. And it's fun to see how these interviews that I did way back when are actually so influential in the work that I do now. So this has been really fun for me just to kind of dive back into. And for everyone else, I think this is just providing extraordinary content that otherwise would have gone unused. You know, I, if I would have just kept kept on with this podcast and just started a whole new series of interviews, then this information couldn't be repurposed and, and literally couldn't be put out into the world. So um, without further ado... Our guest is a man named Wade Lightheart. And Wade Lightheart, since our first uh, interview that we did two, two and a half years ago, he has become a close friend of mine, a very, very good friend of mine. He's a brilliant researcher and has focused most of his life in athletics and bodybuilding. So him and me had an instant resonance when we first met. And then ever since, we've just been collaborating on different projects. And I actually work as an ambassador and an educator for his company, BioOptimizers, which is a company that focuses on high-grade probiotics, enzymes, um, uh, platinum-based minerals, and other things of that nature, but they have a specific focus on pro, uh, proteolytic enzymes and probiotics. And so you're going to hear a lot of information in this, in this podcast about enzymes and probably some information you didn't know. He doesn't just stick on the surface level. Both him and me go into the depths of the enzyme situation, why enzymes are so critical for all aspects of healing, and how we've depleted our enzyme reservoir over the process of our life. And we go into so many other areas. I mean, it's truly an adventure that we're going to take you on. And before we jump into that, I want to let everyone know that the enzymes that both me and Wade um, work with are the bio-optimizers enzymes, and you can find the direct affiliate link um, in the show notes. So you can just go to the show notes, and there will be a link there for you that you can go to that page and get all the information and order them for your own use if you'd like. And then also, as always, I want to direct your attention to the Holistic Health Mastery Certification Course, which is my online video-based nutrition and lifestyle certification course, holistichealthmastery.com. Okay, without further ado, I want to welcome on my guest, Mr. Wade Lightheart. Enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Ronnie Landis, and we're back on again with another episode of the Expanded Health and Human Potential Radio Show. So today I have a special guest back on for the second time 
And for those who may not have uh, heard the last interview or know who this gentleman is, his name is Wade Lightheart. And he's a natural bodybuilder and health expert. He's actually the president of the Awesome Health Alliance and the co-founder of the Institute of Advanced Nutritional Health Sciences. He's also a three-time Canadian natural bodybuilding champion. He's a sports nutritionist, an author, a speaker, and most of all, which I like the most, is that he's an enlightened seeker. And um, Wade's become a a friend of mine over the last uh, six months. I first saw him speak at the Raw Living Expo in Sedona, California, and um, he's nothing short of an amazing informational presenter, but he is one of the few people that actually lives it full on, and that's why we brought him onto the show. So without further ado, Wade, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm just charged up to be on the show with Ronnie Landis. You're doing such great things in the world. I look forward to your episodes all the time, and uh, I'm just really, really excited to be here and hopefully be able to provide some insight for all your listeners because, boy, you've you've got some really cutting-edge stuff, and I can't wait to dive into it today with you. Right on, right on. I'm glad. Hey, I'm glad to know that you're you're uh, checking out the interviews. Absolutely. I mean, uh, <laughs> one of the biggest things is we need to be lifelong learners, and uh, I certainly don't know everything. Actually, I don't know that much. I know a little bit about a few things, and I share that, and and I interact with people such as yourself so that I can learn even more and stay open to the latest developments and in, in our understanding and awareness about the challenges that we face and the opportunities as being humans on the planet. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. You said a key thing, which we're going to get into, is that the very real thing is that we do face challenges and it doesn't, it doesn't um, serve us to put our head in the sand, but once we know the challenges, it's, it's powerful to understand that we have more solutions than ever before in any point in history, and uh, that's what we're going to dive into. So um, I say let's just jump in. Um, now, Wade, as you know and as some of the listeners may know, in our world today, metabolic disorders are becoming something of a common trend, you know, ranging from obesity, diabetes, neurological and nervous system dysfunctions, gut dysbiosis, um, as of lately that's hit my radar, is really the estrogen inflammations and, you know, a host of all other kind of debilitations, you know, all over the board. So the thing I want to jump into right away with you is I'd like to talk about the effects of what's called oxidative stress. You know, we, we've heard, these terms kind of get thrown around in the alternative community, oxidative stress, oxidation, antioxidation or antioxidants. I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on how oxidative stress um, impacts our daily life and the effects of cellular corrosion on our metabolic function? That's a mouthful. And uh, for those who are listening, I want to keep this as simple as we can, of course. Absolutely. I think think we can sometimes... One of the big scary things is we complicate things with big sounding terminology, and I'm, I'm guilty of that as much as anybody else. Basically, oxidative stress is rusting. If you put steel outside in the elements, it turns black and rusts. Well, if you cut an apple and leave it on the counter, it rusts. And you leave people out in the elements, and they rust. If you go into a nuclear reactor, you rust really fast. That would be massive oxidative stress, mm-hmm. and you'd be dead very quickly. Um, if you're in cold environments, any kind of environmental influence can affect the, the wear and tear on the protoplasm or your physicality, the body that carts around your soul. Mm-hmm. And so now here's the, here's the interesting thing. If you don't have any stress, you'd be dead. So there is some positive components to it. But in today's world, we have been subjected to a massive increase of elements that we haven't really learned to adapt to as a species. And primarily, these come from environmental pollutants, toxins, and of course, as you mentioned, one of the big things with metabolic stuff is estrogen-based estrogen 
um, toxins oftentimes from the plastic industry, i.e. bottled water, etc., etc. So uh, it's a big factor and it's something that has infiltrated the health or, or the fitness community as much as any community I have seen. And I have all kinds of athletes and or particularly a lot of ladies who have contacted me. I, I, think it's, I think it's just as a parent for men, but ladies just send to seek out help more than men. And, uh, you know, they're calling me and they've been on diets and they've been doing their exercise routines or they've tried all these things and nothing seems to work and they keep gaining weight and they don't know what to do and they're having mood disorders or this or that and, they, and low self-esteem and it's the whole cascade of effects that go on. And um, we've got to turn it around and there are ways to turn it around and we talk about that and, and uh, part of it is things that you address in, in a lot of your 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 um, broad podcasts, right? <clears throat> and I um, I want to say I, I appreciate your your desire to <clears throat> to simplify this because yeah, there there's a lot of big terms out there, and a guy like me is really I'm kind of really into the science and everything. But yeah, it it, it these things really um, can be chunked down to their their core principles. Um, and so I think that's what we should probably get into is how can we start to use nutrition to offset the rusting effect of, um, you know, of just the challenges that we face in our world? Well, you know, this is something that I got really interested in uh, a number of years ago. Of course, if people know my story, back in 2003, I was on my way to the Mr. Universe contest and I was competing as a vegetarian, but I certainly didn't have this information. And I was uh, using a number of different uh, products that were causing damage to my system. I just didn't know any better. I was trying to adapt a meat-eating industry-based system onto a vegetarian plant-based diet. Now, albeit I did achieve what I wanted to achieve as far as a cosmetic look. I was, you know, ripped and lean and, you know, did, did my thing and that was great. But after that contest, I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks. Now, leading up to that contest was a restrictive diet, was extremely intense. I don't recommend it to anybody. I was training a lot, doing lots of oxidative stress from training, which all athletes do. But on top of that, I was, you know, back in the, those days, I was drinking things like diet sodas. Not good. I was using um, food products like rice cakes, uh, which is common, you know, with all the little chemicals and stuff on it. And that was doing extra damage. I was drinking highly acidic water out of plastic bottles. You know, I, I thought I was doing a good job, and I was. I was doing a good job to get to a certain look, but I didn't know what kind of damage I was doing to my body. But I felt terrible going up to this event. I felt absolutely rotten, and everybody in the industry says, well, that's just the way it is. It's, everybody that competes in a contest feels rotten. It feels terrible, and I thought, this is insane. And then after the contest, I gained all the weight back, but I felt better. I look like crap. So I went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow, but I felt better. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I learned about how to build the body from the inside out. I was a bodybuilder building the body from the outside in, doing all these cosmetic, in vogue kind of methodologies that have been propagated by magazines and video sites and all that sort of stuff over the last 30 years. And it'll get you a certain place to a certain, a certain while, but the damage builds up and then you end up in that problem. And then I met a guy by the name of Dr. Michael O'Brien and he taught me about enzymes and probiotics and eating a raw food diet and taking minerals and alkalizing my body tissues and getting into green foods and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But, you know, this guy was rebuilding cancer patients, you know, from death's door, like Bernard Jensen, legend. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know about that story. I won't get into it too deep. But I was like, okay, well, this guy's proven it. I'll try it. I tried it. Um, in six months' time, I couldn't believe I had regained my physical dimensions and proportions. But the best part was is I felt amazing. And that was – now that was 10 years ago. And I can – today I can train harder, longer, than I could back then, and it's easier and it's a lot more fun. 
And the best part is I don't have to do all those wacky things that people think. And I do, though, avoid some of the things that are taught to us, like, you know, take these chemical, you know, Red Bulls and energy drinks or, you know, you know, drink all kinds of like caffeinated beverages out of aluminum cans and stuff like that. I, I, I don't do that, those things, because of the damage that it does to my system. It rusts me too fast. My body can't deal with all that rust. And then some internal organ gets compromised. And that's based on your genetics and the stress and all that. But the, if the overall stress does the damage and then you're like, okay, your body starts shutting down. Um, non-vital functions and then moving into vital functions and that's when disease comes and of course now the big thing is with metabolic issues and the inability to convert t4 into t3 adrenaline fatigue and that inter that whole interrelation and the lack of uh, absorbable live plant-based proteins coming into the body that the body can easily utilize and regulate metabolism Hmm. That was that was a lot. Um, <laughs> That's a lot. Sorry, but I can ramble. So cut me off. No, if you no, need to. sorry. <laughs> no, it's absolutely, um, it's absolutely, uh, it's on point. And um, where you know I um, where I want to go with this, obviously, you know everything that you just said. Um, I I, I want to take it back here before I move on to the next subject. Maybe we can get into this for a little bit. Um, you, we were talking earlier and you mentioned a term that I, I, is actually very near and dear to my heart, which is biophotonic resonance or biophotons. And so I know, you know, all about this and I really got into the research of Fritz Albert Pop. This is actually what really, you know, took a turn for me years ago in my raw food, uh, education was the idea that, um, in the 1960s or seventies, Fritz Albert Pop came to the conclusion in his research that, the body actually is a storehouse for what's called biophotons, and that's transmitted from the UV lighting of the sun and turned and given literally as a storage implant to plant life through photosynthesis. And so when we eat plants, we actually get this, this storage of light energy. And um, I'm kind of curious on what, what your thoughts are on that concept in, in terms of healing and maintenance. It's a great question and something I've given considerable study to. Uh, and, of course, my research led me to Eastern philosophy and some of the Vedic or Ayurvedic manuscripts. And basically, and I cover this in my book, Staying Alive in a Toxic World, in, in the sunlight chapter. And basically, we live in a solar system. Let's start there. And everything is a form of condensed light. And when you eat a plant, that plants have chlorophyll and they are able to convert that light. Now, I believe, and this is indicated by an incredible amount of people, that there is intelligent information inside that light. And not only is it energy, but it's actually information. Yeah. And that information allows the cells to talk to each other. And you only have to check out, like, if you go out on a nice sunny day... How do you feel? It feels like your cells are dancing and feeling happy. And if it's cloudy and rainy, you don't quite feel the same way. And so from that, I started extrapolating things. And, of course, uh, I followed a lot of uh, Yogananda's teachings who, who really got into the vibratory frequency of foods. And I did Bernard Jensen. And one of the things I looked at is I think that we have a color spectrum of seven basic colors, of course, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, which correspond with the chakra levels. And of course, vegetables come in very specific colors and they have certain resonant frequencies and there's correlation to how they affect internal organs. And for me, I try to keep things as broad and as simple as like, well, I don't need to understand all the little components of it. I get it on a general scale, but it just makes sense to me to have a great big rainbow salad every single day in the middle of the afternoon, which is much colors as I can possibly put into it. So I put reds and yellows and greens and blues. I try to get all of those colors in that frequency. And when I eat that, there's something inside my body that tells me that this is good. And I and the science is extreme, but I'm just like, it's good. It's simple. When I eat blueberries, 
There's something about I could eat 500 pounds of blueberries and never be satisfied. I just love blueberries. There's something magic about that fruit. And if you, I just had, I had the good fortune of getting some some of this fruit right out of the woods here in New Brunswick, where it's like, and it's, this is not the high bush stuff. These are these little tiny berries that it takes you like a week to make a to get a cup while you're picking it. And uh, you eat this stuff now. There isn't much calories in it. If I put that in a kilometer, it burns up. But there's almost no calories. Um, if you eat it. All these nutritional sciences out there would say, well, there's not, you know, it's got antioxidants. When I eat that stuff, something goes on in my brain that says, this is really good and this is different than blueberries you get in the store. Same thing with wild strawberries. They're amazing, but they're little tiny things. And it's almost like the smaller they are, the more packed they become it's kind of like the reverse of our modern society that more is better it's like the smaller something is it seems to have more power more condensed or more information and it's a it's a kind of an inverse relationship that (laughs) i'm just i'm just sitting here laughing because of how how true that statement is and it's kind of like the our conventional uh outlook on raw food you know one of the things i've spent a few years trying to dissect and investigate was the the pro- proliferation of all these different raw food diets and all their different kind of concepts but what i'm realizing is they're all based in and around of what society's um options are so what society provides for us is really um you know not to knock it because i'm grateful for it but is really like overly hybrid foods specifically fruits that are bred to have more sugar yield, less mineral content, and are actually enlarged, whereas, like you just mentioned, perfect example of a blueberry in nature is almost like a pellet size, where if you get a cultivated variety, it's about three times that size, and it doesn't, it may have a little more caloric value, but it doesn't, it, you have to eat more to get as much. And that you nailed it right there. It's it, there's where I think things went sideways. The calorie model of dieting. So to go and, and and this is what sets people up into the metabolic problems. And then of course this is what translates and and it kind of proliferates in dietary systems inside of raw food systems and that sort of thing. And the raw foodies kind of got away from it. A little bit more than the than the other uh, philosophies around diet, and I'm not here to, you know, to brandish one or condone another or anything else. I'm just trying to share from my observation of the last 25 years or so. And to, for people out there that haven't understood this, basically the calorie model is this: they throw the food into a machine that burns the food and they measure how much heat that comes off it and they say oh, it has this many calories and then they dissect it and they tell you if those calories come from protein, carbohydrates, fats or alcohol sugars and protein and carbohydrates have four calories and alcohol has seven and, and fats have nine and then those are all broken down into different categories of complete amino acids or short and long. So there's this endless dissection of stuff, but the bottom line is, is I can throw a stick of wood in one of these calorie meters and burn it, and it says <laughs> it's going to give me, you know, 200 calories. Well, I'm not going to eat a stick of wood <laughs> and expect to get anywhere and do the job. It's not going to work. I could throw, I could throw a, a, a newspaper in there, and it's going to reduce. Like this, this is such an asinine way of looking at food. And what happens is, of course, we have these cosmetic ideals put out there that you got to look like this, and you got to have, you know, and everybody's recording how, you know, what percentage of body fat they have and how much they can bench press or how much they can do in a hold or, you know, how many chin ups they can do or whatever that has become a, like, you know, social proof that I'm okay because the reality is, is what's the, the message behind most marketing is that you're not good enough. Unless you look this way, you have this life, you're married to this wife, you drive this car, you've got a six-pack of glistening abs, your body fat's this level, you only eat 100% raw, biodynamic, organically grown, <laughs> alien seed, fused food that's been grown in a geodesic dome. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And then 
you know, people are out there, they're going, dear God, this is so complicated. And how am I ever going to look this good so I can feel good about myself? Look, people can feel good about themselves right away, but they've got to get out of this catamaran. I don't have any of my clients, none, zero, nada, none of them count calories, None of them. And that's the first thing that people need to get inside their head. They need to eat nutrient-dense foods. The, the foods that come in a raw form, in a wild-crafted form, they tend to be stronger. But that's not always available. So you go to the next best thing. Go to an organic. From there, if you get, if you get a pesticide one or a regular conventional one, because there's places in the world that I've traveled, you've got no choice. Wash it in, in, in a high pH water to get the pesticides off because pesticides are one of these things that rust the body intensely. Okay, and another thing, and it also it strips away the nutrients. And the other thing is, is make sure you're doing your due diligence on a daily basis. I make sure that all my clients are doing a couple of key things every single day so that, number one, they're getting the nutrients they need so that their body can protect themselves from free radical damage. Two, that we know they're able to absorb whatever the food is that they're getting because oftentimes they don't have the capacity, the time, the energy, or the know-how how to determine what food is the best for them or they don't even have access to it. And then on top of that is to make sure they're doing a daily a cleansing program from the the brain garbage that's being propagated out there on all these different uh, information channels that are that are leading them to the dance of delusion and the land of confusion because you know one guy says this and one guy says that and that person says that like can't we just trust what our body says monitor your results check what you're doing set your goals have someone outside to monitor with you as you learn and then eventually you'll redevelop your connection to yourself and your cells will tell you exactly what you do. And that, of course, is the biophotonic message. You start listening to yourself. You start listening to the universe that is broadcasting thousands of messages to you. But they don't come on the Internet. And they don't come, uh, you know, on, a, on an advert flashing neon sign. And they don't come on, the, on a bottle of pills at your local supplement store. It comes from within. All knowledge comes from within. Mm. That's, that's why we that's why we discover it. It's already there. We gotta <laughs> uncover it. We gotta take the cover off it and look inside and see what's there. That's that I think you brought it back to its simplest component and really to the root of the fruit, so to speak, is that um, it really is within all of us. I know for me that I I had all this inside of me and it just took that trigger to really unlock that genius. And I you know, I think that really is the core. The the core of it is that we live in a society that's propagated on so many different superficial ideals and it's almost like a camouflage to keep us from going within, to go in spirit or to become inspired. All these words are in, go in, like you said. And you said something that I think is really important is that people ultimately, the human experience is a series, or this is my, um, I'm kind of giving my own spin on it, but the human experience is really a sequence of feeling states. And people internally or instinctively, they just want to feel better. And um, I, I really feel like that is the root of the, of the whole discussion. So nutrition properly applied can make you feel a lot better. But you brought up another you brought up the most important thing is that use that as a, a vehicle to go inward and find your own truth you know what that is so true and it, as you say that it kind of one thing i've noticed with coaching you know literally thousands of people around the world is if they have a concept of, of, of suffering or they're in an emotional state of not feeling good about themselves, they tend to be attracted to dietary programs that reinforce them not feeling good uh. about themselves. And of course that, and I think that's where it all starts. Wow. That was, that's a, that's a lot to consider right there. I think I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and that, that has a lot to do with marketing and sales pitch and keeping people 
um, keeping people kind of hooked into a certain way of doing something from a marketing perspective is, yeah, I mean, if, if you give someone the tools and they can go off and apply the tools in their own life, then, you know, you kind of cut, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot from that perspective, but not if you're coming from the right, the right perspective. And you know that, um, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with that, but yeah, I think, (laughs) I think ultimately what you just said there was, it was just a very powerful thought to consider. Well, you know, it comes from the experience of, of being cosmetically driven back when I was young. I mean, let's, let's Mm. just look at, let's look at the bodybuilding market, which is no different for a young girl looking at uh, advertising magazines today. So, it, it, you know, same thing for guys. If you look in Hollywood now, they have these hyper-masculine males. Almost all the top Hollywood stars are on the sauce. And by that means I'm talking about uh, anti-aging, bioidentical hormones. They'll, they'll, they'll wrap it all up into all these nice, cool-sounding names. But, and where I grew up, they're on the sauce, the juice, you know, whatever, <laughs> to look a certain way, and they're taking whatever because they got to look like uh, a, a freak because that's what the movie industry demands. They need this hyper masculine male. And as a 15 year old boy, I looked at these images of hyper masculine males, and I'm like, well, obviously I don't measure up. And of course, they attach with them fame and success and overt sexuality and all these internal drives that my little reptilian brain gets really, really juiced from. And my forebrain, which separates us from the animals, doesn't have a chance when I'm in those zones. And and the art of marketing today has got to such a high level, they've crafted an amazing ability to access that reptilian mind. And that reptilian mind, he wants to eat, he wants to fight and he wants to replicate that's what he does that's like that comes up from single cell organisms all the way up into the evolutionary chain into human beings and we all have that in us and what happens is we we are attracted to these systems that that subvert our our conscious ability our ability that that separates us from the animals to use our our intelligence to to, to determine what it is that we require. Even all the animals, they already know what to eat. They don't have to be taught. But we've lost it. We've been so confused with this stuff that we've really got lost in it. And uh, but, it's, but the great thing is it's coming around. People, the, the more we get lost, the closer we get to the truth. It, it's so weird. You know, like the, I think the Buddhist said, you know, when you're lost, start at the beginning. So what is the beginning? Well, the be- if I look at animals, if I look at nature, what do natures do? You look at any animal, they go for the garden. I'm out here in New Brunswick right now. There's a lot of gardens. Well, what do the deer go for? They go for the vegetables that are just coming up. That's the sprouts. Well, if you look at sprouts, sprouts are loaded in enzymes, and they're loaded in amino acids, and they have a lot of energy, and they're very small. They eat the sprouts, and they go all day. A moose is 1,500 pounds, and it eats like moss and stuff. He's not counting his calories he's not saying geez did i did i get enough protein today did i do enough cardio no i just swam a lake (laughs) you know he ate some moss he swam a lake you know fought off the flies all day long and you know saw some humans going wow what what are they eating all that weird stuff at the picnic table (laughs) (laughs) so 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 when you're lost go out into nature and just pay attention and and it'll remind you yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know what, Wade, with, um, with the time we have, I, I would like to take this opportunity to dive just a little bit further into the, the nature of our first, first part of the discussion, which was um, metabolic disorders. And I want to take it into an area that I'm really into, and I know you are. Um, I remember years ago reading Dr. Edward Howell's book, uh, Enzyme Nutrition, and mm-hmm. he made a statement that really caught me, and basically what he said was, all physiological breakdowns are due to the lack of enzymes or enzymatic capacity in the body. And through the years of my research, I came to these kind of ideas, and I would just like you to elaborate on them as it's relevant to the topic. Um, 
you know, from my perspective, I feel like enzymes are basically the scrubbing mechanism for fibrotic scar tissue, stuff like calcification buildup and um, protein coating that develops around certain disease cells that will go unnamed on this podcast. And um, these issues, from my from my observation, appear to represent some of the root causes of most of the breakdowns that we see both physio- physiologically and neurologically. So I want to get your take on, on the, that statement. Uh, I'm in absolute agreeance, and I have been... I, re- I read Dr. Howell's book, Enzyme Nutrition. Of course, he had taught um, my mentor, Dr. Michael O'Brien, and I recommend everybody who's into health read that book. It'll totally transform your perspective and what we're talking about. He really articulated it well. Now, what was interesting is enzymes and probiotics, and probiotics are really just little bags of enzymes that do specific functions. So they're essentially just a a little more conscious bag of enzymes. Enzymes handle everything in your body from thinking to blinking. Every metabolic process, every movement, every thought, every chemical transaction, everything requires an enzyme. Now, according to Dr. Howell's research, he stated this was back in the 40s. The average 40-year-old has less than 30% of the enzymes present in their body that they had at birth. This is what contributes to the degeneration and aging of our society because as oxidative stress comes in in whatever form, whether it's exercise, whether it's hot temperature, whether it's pesticides, it requires enzymes to break this down. And when you grow food on a mineral deficient soil, as we have been doing for the last three generations, the food, the plant will give up protein in its body and convert it to enzymes to keep the plant growing. So protein content goes down as minerals in the soil are depleted. Now, let's just take this over to humans. So what happens with humans during the aging and degeneration process or in metabolic dysfunction? Well, we convert protein tissues, muscle tissue particularly, or skin tissue. That's why we get wrinkled and old. We start doing damage to the system. We're converting that to make enough enzymes to keep our body going. And Dr. Howe stated that the length of a, any organism's lifespan was directly related to the inverse enzyme potential. That is, how many enzymes were present in the body would determine how long that body tended to stay on the planet. And in his experiments, they and, and this came from Pottinger's cats. Pottinger's cats was a famous study that, you know, Pottinger took these cats and he fed some of them an enzyme-deficient diet. That would be diets that, that are uh, cooked food, because cooking food kills all the enzymes, and then that means the animal had to use its own enzymatic reserves, its own metabolic enzymes, and convert them into digestive enzymes to break down your food. And every doctor will say, you don't need enzymes because your body breaks it down. No, all food in its natural state has the enzymes to break it down, even us. When we die, the muscle tissue uh, releases a chemical that activates cathaskin, which is an enzyme that starts breaking down the tissue and we dissolve and turn in and become food for the bacteria. And that's just the natural order of things. And, and digestion is controlled rotting. You know, we, we, we break down enzymes. That's why you cut an apple open, you leave it on a counter, it starts to break down. But when you irradiate it or you cook it, now you nuke all the enzymes and now that apple will stay on the shelf for two weeks without going bad. And so what happens is people are accelerating the degeneration of their body through toxic diets, highly cooked, highly processed food, um, chemicals that are found, preservatives, um, also all the host of estrogen-based toxins. They are eating diets that are mineral deficient. So all of these are putting stress on them oxidatively, and it's also requiring more and more enzymes in order for their body to produce. And of course, all women know this. All women, I, and I first discovered this with high-performance female athletes, and they would have a child. And sometimes after one child, they couldn't regain their form. Sometimes it was two. 
but it was almost always across the board after three, they had a hard time regaining their, their physical vitality levels. And I, what I came to believe was that they were transferring their enzymatic pool to their children. And then when they were trying to perform at a high level, they couldn't do it. Now, when you take this over to a lot of these athletes, like fitness competitors, it's, it's widespread in all these fitness competitors. They go on these restrictive diets with massive amounts of exercise, huge amounts of these chemical-laden, calorie-deficient, and, and may I say emotionally deficient lifestyles because it's all about how I look in a bikini and all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that, but if, if that's your whole life, you've got some serious self-esteem problems that are going to set you up for these kind of metabolic flavors. Uh, situations and then of course now you pack all this stuff and so it's just a cascade of effects and then eventually they're like all of a sudden their t4 isn't converting to t3 that's what regulates metabolism they've taken a massive amounts of a stimulants which has blown out their adrenals they're, you do a hair analysis and their mineral imbalances are all over the place they're not getting enough oxygen inside their body so now they're relying on more anaerobic activity and then they're you know the stress keeps building up and then pretty soon they start gaining weight and they don't know what to do and they try another diet and they try this and they get this expert and then and then you know they start feeling worse when stress is oxidative and it's just this it's just an endless cycle and it's got to stop and, and it stops by very simple you take three servings of plant-based protein a day you consume a high protease-based enzyme with it because protease, in my opinion, is the big factor because of undigested protein inside the body that, you know, that, that you know, we need to metabolize. And, and for some reason, the body cuts off protease production sooner than other enzymes inside the body. And you need to eat a big rainbow salad every single day. And then you need to reduce your training to a level that makes sense and you need to allot the enough time for your body to rebuild itself and it will naturally go back to the state you want. That's how you overcome metabolic damage. Mm. Yeah, you said a lot of interesting things in there. For clarification, I just want to uh, mention when you say T3 to T4, you're talking about thyroid hormone, right? Yeah, that's what you, there's a conversion process that goes on in, inside the body. And, and, of course, if you look at a lot of these People with metabolic damage, there there's an, there's a, a relation between adrenals and thyroid, mm -hmm. and um, that's again keep in mind these are symptoms, not causes, and it's really clear. People say, "Oh well, my thyroid's normal, and that's thing, and I've got this, or I've got metabolic disorder." No, that's a, a symptom of modern lifestyles. And here's the great news. The body will correct all of these amazing metabolic processes if you feed it the things it requires to do it, but it's got to have enough workers, and that's where enzymes come in. Enzymes are the workers. Most people are shocked to know I have been taking enzymes 25 a day minimum for the last 10 years. How I got out of metabolic dysfunction myself, because I've been there, I know what it's like, I felt the pain. You know, 42 pounds in 11 weeks, folks, it's not good. And I came out of it, I took 100, 100 enzymes a day for a year. I, I was better in six months, but I said, I want to see how far it can go. And uh, over the years, I haven't found a limit. I, I've had scars that are now healing on my body that didn't heal before. You know, like scars that I've had for, you know, literally my whole life, they're starting to go away because I, my enzymatic pool is getting enough that it breaks that down. And, and Dr. O'Brien told me this, and a Dr. Howell talked about this, and I've seen this duplicated over and over and over again. So just follow what works. Mm. Well, that there's a lot for people to consider, and I definitely, I mean, I'm definitely on board with everything you just said there, especially that's why I wanted to bring up the enzyme topic um, because there tends to be a lot of con uh, confusion and, and oftentimes um, controversy in the more of the natural hygiene type of 
field, and that's not necessarily something we have to jump head first into, but just for clarification of um, the people listening to this, because I understand that all of us come from different philosophical backgrounds, and we come from different nutritional um, schools of thought, and there, you know, why would it be, you know, I pose the question for the viewers listening, why would it, if you're eating an enzyme-rich diet or what we consider to be an enzyme-rich diet of raw plant food, maybe people are doing raw dairy products, um, whatever it may be, why would we need to take enzyme supplementation? Absolutely great question, and it's something that I think is very pertinent. The whole basis of a live food diet or plant-based diet is that you get more enzymes but people are not and going back to the start of our conversation look at a conventionally grown food and look at something that you find wild crafted there is a massive difference in the taste in the flavor in the enzymatic potential because anytime that you accelerate growth through fertilizers pesticides or through hybrid growing you lose a certain enzymatic component. Remember, going back at the turn of the century, we, they found that wheat was losing its protein content as it converted that into enzymes in order to grow itself on, on mineral-deficient soils. Life will go on no matter what. It will compromise. It won't be the same, but it will go on. And the same thing for people. Now, if I eat a completely live, raw food diet that's per se enzymatically rich, the only amount of enzymes that are going to be present in any live food is enough to digest it. That's if it's in its organic raw state. Nature doesn't waste anything. So it's not making like you, I cannot replace my enzymatic reserves just by eating organically raw, wild crafted, whatever you want to call it food. I can't do it because if I'm here I am at 40 years old. If I've only got 30% or less, according to Dr. Howell, of my enzymatic pool, I can't eat my way into the enzyme. I can't eat my way back into the damage I've done. I've got to find a way to infiltrate my system and get more enzymes in there. So by doing this, we look at it, well, what are my options? Well, a lot of people say, well, you can eat you know, highly enzymatic foods. Well, that's true. You can do that. But I'm not interested in getting by. I'm interested in overcoming a debilitating condition or producing an extraordinary result as an athlete. So there are different types of enzymes. There are metabolic enzymes. Okay? So there are just normal plant-based enzymes. There are things like pancreatic enzymes. And Pancreatic enzymes, for example, will work in a very narrow pH range or an animal-based enzyme. A plant-based enzyme usually works in a bigger range, the four main ones being amylase, lipase, um, protease, and cellulase. And there's a whole, like there's literally 3,000 ones, but I think if you get those main ones inside your system, your body will break down, particularly protease, amylase, and lipase. Protease breaks down protein, lipase breaks down fats, um, amylase breaks down carbohydrates. Well, when you... Take, you, you now have methodologies, and this is one of the great things that Dr. Howell did, is he developed incredible ways of increasing the enzymatic potential massively in the products he was making. So he, 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 he developed cultured enzymes, which was actually practiced for thousands of years in Eastern cultures. So he, he cultured these enzymes. So then you get a cultured enzyme. It's about a thousand times more powerful than an enzyme that you might find like bromelain or papain or something like that that's been extracted from a fruit or from an animal. And so regardless of your dietary stuff, when you and what I suggest people do, whatever enzyme that you want to try, take the enzyme you do, throw a couple of them in a bowl of oatmeal and stir it up and see what happens. The kind of enzymes that I put into my body will liquefy that oatmeal in a, in a couple of minutes. I mean, it's turned to liquid. And the taste of it changes its ability to, my ability to extract the information. And I say that as information. We are getting information from our food. It's not just nutrition. It's nutritional information. Becomes increased, and I'm not putting stress on my system, and that allows my body to metabolize it. It's why all animals, when they're hurt, they don't eat because they don't want to exert enzymatic energy to digest food 
they simply let their enzymes go off and create metabolic enzymes to heal themselves. And that's one of the practices of fasting. But you can't fast yourself into increasing your enzymatic pool. You're going to take that away from your muscle tissue. And this is one of the, the negativities or the detriments I've found. A lot of people are attracted into the raw food diet because they have compromised systems. And it does make a lot of sense. And the detoxification process is recommended and they fast and they cleanse. And these are all awesome methodologies. But at a certain point, you know, you've got to start building the tissues up. And if you've exhausted your enzymatic pool, trying to eat a diet that is low in amino acids and low in enzymes, your body is going to convert the muscle mass into that. And that's why I think you see a lot of people in the raw food community who don't carry a lot of muscle. They're, they, they, you know, they, they just don't. And that was one of my big things. Well, I want to I want to be muscular. I want to still do the athletic things that I like to do and I'm a strength training guy. So I'm on the extreme end of that. But the same issue for people who are having metabolic issues. If you can't convert your T4 into T3, if you can't support your adrenals uh, through good mineralization inside your body and if you're not eating enough fiber and stuff in your diet, guess what? You're going to struggle with your metabolism and on top of it if you want to get out of there faster, slamming lots of cultured enzymes are going to increase and improve that process. Yeah, brilliant explanation. I agree 100%. So I think this is a great place to um, to conclude. I want to thank you so much for coming onto the air and sharing all this uh, great information and experience. Um, where can everyone on here find your work? Well, uh, anybody can pop to my site at wadelightheart.com and go in there. We can do a little health profile. If you have some questions, I am always there to answer questions. Usually uh, it's a 48 to 72-hour turnaround time depending if I'm traveling or not. So wadelightheart.com, and uh, we'd be happy to answer all your questions. And for those of you who are looking for um, a, a high protease-based enzyme such as the ones I use, um, they can check in with your site, Ronnie. I believe that you're uh, carrying mass signs at your site. It's yep. the ones I use, and uh, we love them. So uh, they can just check the link on the site. Yeah, and those enzymes are fantastic. Uh, me and both my roommate actually love those enzymes. And I'm going to – those, for all the viewers, those are available on this page that you click to find this interview. So um, there should be no, no problem finding that. So once again, Wade, I want to thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure, Ronnie. I, I love your work. I love what you're doing. And for those of you who come in and check out Ronnie's work, follow this guy. He is doing great things in the world. And uh, I'm just really honored to, uh, to be your friend, man. And I can't wait to see you soon out in California. Yeah, thank you. I, the, the feeling is very mutual. All right, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed this segment. This was an incredible information content-rich segment that I'm going to be personally taking notes on. I suggest all of you out there in virtual land do the same thing. So with that said, this has been another edition of the Expanded Health and Human Potential radio show. We will catch you guys next time.